Jesus? Well, how will they know if you don't go tell them? Man, I get, I'm fired up. I'm fired up. I don't even know what I'm going to do now. There was a, a line in the, in, the, in the song that they just sang that said, um, To the old rugged cross I will ever be true. Are you willing to say that to Jesus tonight? Let me tell you something. If you're not, you really can't take the bread and cup. The Bible's very, very clear. This isn't just tossing a piece of bread in your mouth and drinking some juice, doing your religious thing. (laughs) This is big. This is important. This is sacred. So if you're not willing tonight to say, to the old rugged cross, I will ever be true, then I'll take this tonight. Let's see. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, praise God. And with his stripes we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned. Everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's the cross. That's Jesus. Luke chapter 23, verse 32. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull... There they crucified him, and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They cast lots to divide his garments. I wish that we could really, really, really get that picture in our heads tonight. Our Savior and our Lord hanging on a cross This is the same one who just hours earlier had knelt in the garden and prayed and pleaded and begged his father that he would take this cup from him. Father, please. Dad, please. If there's any way, would you please take this from me? But your will, not mine, be done. And the father said, son, you got to go because I love him so much. This is the same one who pleaded that this cup would be taken from him who hung on the cross. And he didn't go and fulfill his mission with a, with a grudge or a chip on his shoulder as we so often do. We pray the prayer, not my will, but your will be done, but I don't like it. And I'm not going to have any fun doing it, but I'll do it. 
But that's not the Jesus we hear, see here. As a matter of fact, we see a Jesus that's burdened for people, that loves people, that cares about people, that realizes that he is their only hope, that he is the perfect sacrifice. He hangs on a cross and he looks at the people who put the nails in his hands and he says to, to his father, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. God's forgiveness extends to our greatest sin. You're here tonight and you think it, God wouldn't accept you. You couldn't be more wrong. God draws you to himself. You're here tonight because God orchestrated events to get you here tonight. God wants you to hear his gospel tonight. God loves you. God wants a relationship with you. God will forgive you. Father, forgive them. Verse 35, and it says, And the people stood by watching, but the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he's the Christ of God, his chosen one, let him save himself. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. I wonder how many times you've been mocked. I've been mocked. Maybe even you've had the power to do something about it, but you just didn't. That's the situation we see our Lord and Savior in. The power to do something about those who were mocking him, but he just continued to love them. He gave himself for them. A criminal says, or, or they mock him by saying, if you're who you say you are, if you are God's son, if you are the anointed one, why don't you save yourself? You know the, 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 the irony about that? That if he had saved himself, he couldn't save them. That if he had saved himself, he couldn't save me. And he couldn't save you. The scripture goes on and says, the other rebuked him, the other criminal. The other rebuked the first criminal. Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? We indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, in the Gospel of Matthew, when it talks about the two criminals, it says both of them railed at Jesus. One of them's heart was changed. The good criminal, we'll call him. In those couple of sentences, he, he, he preaches the gospel. I saw this today for the very first time. He preaches the gospel. He, he first admits that he's a sinner, right? He says to the, to the other criminal, he goes, man, we're hanging here because, because of what we've done. We're guilty. We're supposed to be here. And then he acknowledges that Jesus is God. When he says to the other criminal, don't you fear God? 
And then he asks Jesus to save him. That's the gospel. That's how one becomes a Christian. I'm a sinner. Jesus is the Son of God and he died for me. Jesus, save me. What a glorious, glorious thing that is. You know, some people hate this part of the story. That Jesus would save a lifelong criminal taking his last breath. But they don't understand grace. They don't understand that that God's grace extends to our greatest need. They don't understand how desperately God wants, desires relationship with us. He loved us so much that He would give His only Son to die for us. I love the part too where Jesus says to the criminal, He says, today, 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 you will be with me in paradise. I wondered if maybe paradise meant something that, that we, didn't, we didn't really understand. I mean, I, I, I looked it up in 2 Corinthians 12, 3. It uses the word paradise, the exact same word, and there it's for certain referring to heaven. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7, it talks about paradise, and when it's talking about paradise there, it's referring to heaven. Jesus says to this criminal, today you will be with me in paradise, not, not, not purgatory, paradise. Not a state of sleep until the second coming, but today you will be with me in paradise. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Verse 44, it was now about the sixth hour and There was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. That's from noon until three o'clock. The curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. The curtain was torn. Y'all know that story, right? The curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple area. Man was not allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. That was where the presence of God resided. There was only one man, the high priest, and he would go in one time a year. And he would spend days preparing himself to go in to the very presence of God where he would offer the sacrifice for the sins of the people and they would tie a rope around his waist, I am told, before he would go into the Holy of Holies because if he goes in there without preparing, if he goes in there without being presentable, if he goes in there and in any way is a disgrace, he's immediately killed. And so, if with the rope around his waist, they can, they can drag him out, or, or I guess they'd just pile up in there, you know. This is a significant thing for us as believers, that that veil was torn in two. There were several of us that just spent an hour praying. That's not possible 
unless that veil is torn. We now have access to God because of the cross of Jesus Christ. We now go boldly to His throne. Boldly to His throne as His children. Here at Avalon Church, we like to say we go and we crawl up in the lap of God to have our needs met. Whether that's forgiveness, whether that's encouragement, whether that's direction, whether that's comfort and peace, whether we're seeking joy, we crawl up into His lap. And we're able to do that and do it boldly because of the cross of Jesus Christ. I like the part in those three verses where it says that Jesus looked at His Father and says, Into thy hands I commit my spirit. When Jesus breathed his last breath, you know, his spirit went to be with the Father. It was on the third day that his spirit returned to his body, a new body, a resurrection body. You know, I think that that's significant for us because that's a foretaste of exactly what's going to happen to every believer in this room. When we breathe our last, our spirit leaves our body and goes to heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But there will come a day when our spirit will return to a resurrection body. Jesus is just showing us what our experience will be. Verses 47. Now when the centurion saw... What had taken place, he praised God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. In Matthew and in Mark, it records the centurion saying, certainly this man was the Son of God. Certainly this man was innocent. Certainly this man was the Son of God. All of the crowds that assembled for this spectacle when they saw what had taken place returned home, beating their breasts. And all of his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. This centurion is an interesting, interesting thing to me. When he looks up at Jesus and and he realizes that truly this is the Son of God, you know, I've always thought that that his reaction was, uh uh-oh, I just crucified the Son of God. And then he drops his shoulders and drops his head and walks home in this incredible amount of grief. But that's not what this scripture says. This this scripture says that when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God. He praised God. Because there's this regenerating thing at the cross. We have this tendency to to, to dwell on sin when, when God wants us to deal with that sin through his blood and then praise him. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Should we mourn or should we rejoice? Here's why we should rejoice. 
Jesus' blood forgives the vilest sin. Because Jesus chose not to save himself, though he could. Because of the gospel. Because God's grace reaches to you. Because heaven is our home. Because today we have direct access to God. How can we not rejoice? I want to ask our men if they would come and take their places. Just like when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, man, if he wasn't right, he fell dead. You know what? It's, it's a similar thing, communion. Got to be right. We're instructed in the Scriptures that that we ought to take an account of ourselves before we take this cup. There's not a believer in this room who cannot take this cup tonight. Thank you, man. You may be seated. There's not a believer in this room who can't take this cup tonight. Now, you might be sitting there going, Dale, you don't know. You don't know what I've done. Listen, that's what the cross is about. Jesus opens up his arms and he says, come to me. My blood will take that away. Not cover your sin. It will take that sin away. And Then you can say, Lord Jesus, to the old rugged cross, I will forever be true. Take the bread. Take the cup in remembrance of him. Lord, I pray for every soul in this room. Lord, for those who don't know you, I pray that you would reveal your truth to them, that you would reveal yourself to them, that you would give them ears to hear your voice, that you would draw them to yourself. I pray, Lord, that they would surrender themselves to you. I pray, Lord, for the believer in this room who's been away from you, I pray, Lord, that, that tonight would be a, a, a fresh start, a new start, a new commitment, a new page that you give us because of your cross. I pray, Lord, that that would be our heart and that would be our desire. You would make us right. If we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we acknowledge and we recognize that your blood that was shed on that cross forgives our sins for all who will believe, past, present, and future. But we, we come to you in confession, Lord, because we want our relationship with you, we want our fellowship with you to be right. I pray, Lord, every believer in this room who desperately needs to get right might avail themselves of that opportunity in this moment. Oh, I pray that you're pleased, Lord Jesus, with our hearts, with our thoughts, with our worship of you in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, if you would stand.